So we are going, obviously, through this series. And um, yes, you can. Eight Courageous Women Who Transformed Their World. Can be a contentious issue sometimes, talking about women um, that God used in leadership uh, to do different things in various ways. Um, I know the Wesleyan Methodist Church, we, uh, we ordain women, uh, but it's not a very hot topic. It's a, well, it is a hot topic amongst um, uh, Christian circles. Um, can women be pastors or leaders or overseers or all that? And there's, some, there's some clarity in Scripture in, in that regard. But uh, we're not looking at that particular philosophy. We're looking at how God can use women in different ways. Not that he can't use men and doesn't use men, but that he can use women. And in Luke chapter 1, we see one particular woman that he uses. In fact, you might want to call her a girl rather than a woman. But we find that she is of woman material because she gives birth to a child. Of all the people throughout all of history, you would think you would think that she was the most unlikely. You would think that she was the most unlikely individual, the least the least likely vessel to carry such a valuable thing. I mean, if all the church boards of all the churches around the world today would meet together and talk about how we're going to carry the presence of God into the world through the birth of Jesus Christ, if this you know hadn't happened yet and it's going to happen today, and we got to decide who that person would be that would be carrying the very Son of God in their womb, we might go about things a little differently. We might start using our heads and, uh, and conjure up some, um, some different ideas. You know, we probably wouldn't go to um, the lengths that God went to uh, in, in this account. But we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through to 38, we see the birth of Jesus foretold. The birth of Jesus foretold. And before I go any further, I want to tell you about the Word of God. The Word of God. It is alive and active. It's alive. It's living and active. Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. All right? You might even... Anyone here memorized that scripture before? And, and you could rattle that off. Tell me exactly what the word of God is by saying that scripture. Also, the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's alive. It's more than just ink on a page. It's more than just text on a page. In fact, it's more than that. When it's, when, when Hebrews 4, 12 and... Um, even this angel at Gabriel speaking to Mary. The word of God is alive. The word of God is the spoken word of God. It's alive. And every spoken word of God is alive. You think about how God created the whole universe. All we have to do is look up at the stars at night and see how vast the universe is. And yet we haven't any clue how vast it is just by looking up at the stars at night. 
Also, you can look under a microscope and see all kinds of interesting things that are invisible to the naked eye. And all of it was created by God using what? His voice. His word. He spoke. He spoke and it came into being. And here we see the word of God coming on the lips of the angel Gabriel to this individual. Her name, Mary. Mary. It says in verse 26, In the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. A descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary. Let me tell you a little bit about Mary. Maria. Mariam, Miriam, if you like. Mary, I used to think the name Mary meant bitter, but that's not right. Mara means bitter. The name Mary means rebelliousness or obstinacy. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's better. Mary means rebelliousness or obstinacy. Maria. Moses' sister, Miriam. It's the same, same word in a different language. And we're told that this Mary, this angel, this angel that has a, a word from God, a word from heaven, descends from heaven and he comes to see this Mary. He comes to the rebellious, to the obstinate. And I think it's a beautiful picture of how God comes to us too. Because I'm, I don't know about you, but I certainly have been fairly rebellious, particularly before I met Jesus. But even since then, sometimes obstinate, a little bit stubborn, Sometimes I don't believe the word. Sometimes I don't. Because I'm using my head and not my heart. The angel comes to Mary. She was from Nazareth. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. And the writer, Luke, has to tell us about Nazareth because no one knows anything about Nazareth. It's like the angel coming to uh, to you and say to 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 you, uh, no, not to you. It's like Luke writing a letter to you, talking about an angel going to Gomborian, to a, to a, to, a, to a virgin in Gomborian. You'd say, "Where's Gomborian?" Wouldn't you? Anyone here ever heard of Gomborian? But if I was to say, if I was to say, <clears throat> God sent the angel Gabriel to Gomborian, a town near Gympie. Would, would some people know what that is? It's still, yeah, Gympie is Queensland, but it's still a little bit, a little bit um, obscure. But this is, this is the point. It's obscurity. She's from Nazareth. And, the, and Luke has to say, <clears throat> oh, by the way, Nazareth <clears throat> is a village in Galilee. A village town, a small little town. 
She's from Nazareth, a nowhere place. She was a nobody from nowhere. She was a virgin, we're told. The virgin's name is Mary. She was a virgin. She had never experienced the process of bringing life into the world. She was a nobody from nowhere with no experience, and yet God sees something else. God sees someone else. Because the angel says to her in verse 28, the angel went up to her and said, <clears throat> went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Greetings. Cairo, Cairo is this word that is used in the Greek that Luke uses that the angel says. And it means grace. It means rejoice. It's a greeting that means delight yourself in the grace of God. Rebellious ones, obstinate ones, rejoice. Just start by rejoicing. You don't need to know the details. Just rejoice. It delights yourself in the grace of God. It's all about him. And she, God sees something else in this person, in this individual. He sees, he doesn't see a nobody from nowhere. He sees a somebody that can carry his most precious and wonderful gift. He sees a carrier. You know, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, right? And it penetrates the heart. The word of God, Jesus shared from Matthew's gospel, we see the parable of the sower. And the word of God was, was the seed. The seed is the word of God and it was spread and it fell on four different areas, didn't it? fell on the, the path, the rocks, the thorns and the thistles, and the good soil. And we're told that as, as the word of God is thrown out, it, it lands in these different places and it, and it starts to do something on three of those different places. It starts to germinate, it breaks open and it starts to throw roots down somewhere. But on one of those places, which is the pathway, it doesn't get a chance to do that. Why is that? The birds. The birds come and eat the seed. Jesus said, Jesus said when he when he explained the seed, the parable to the disciples, he said, the word of God, the seed is the word of God. And when the word of God is sown on a pathway, on, on hard ground, on a hard heart, on an unbelieving, calloused heart, the word of God, no matter how powerful it is, no matter what potential is in that word to produce, you know, something, if it lands on a hard heart, it gets taken up by the devil. The devil takes it from the heart. You can have a look at that, actually, in Matthew chapter 4. Sorry, not Matthew chapter 4. I didn't have it in my notes, so you can look it up if you like in your own. But the word of God is is in the heart. It's sown into the heart. Okay, so Romans tells us that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, 
If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is with the heart that we believe and it's with the mouth that we profess. It's the heart that we believe. So the word of God needs to go into our heart. Often what happens is on the way to our heart, our heads get in the way. Our minds get in the way. And Mary, though her name means rebellious and obstinate, we find that she is a person who understands where the word of God needs to go into her heart. She says at the end, in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Right? But in the meantime, we can actually see in verse 29 of Luke chapter 1, when Mary hears this greeting of the angel, greetings, God's grace upon you, you are highly favoured, the Lord is with you, oh, nobody from nowhere. Mary then was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What part of your body does the wondering? Your head. So her head's beginning to get in the way because it doesn't make sense, does it? An angel coming to talk to you. An angel coming to talk to you. You're a nobody from nowhere. Why would God have an interest in you? And so the angel then says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he goes on to give her the continued promise. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now think about this. Who's getting the message? Mary, a nobody from nowhere. A, a person who, who is, is, is from Nazareth. No one, no one knows anything in Nazareth. Yet God chooses this place. Some, some archaeological digs have found that maybe up to 900 people lived in the village of Nazareth at one time once. Maybe just, maybe up to 900 people lived there. How many people live in Sylvan? More than that. And yet God chooses this place to rear his son up. He chooses this place as the community where his son will be raised by the community. His son will get nicknamed by the community. His son will play with the other kids. His son, his son will learn from the teachers there. His son, his son will be protected there and developed there, nurtured physically and mentally and spiritually there. More than that, he chooses this nobody from nowhere, this Mary, this, um, this person who, who, whose name means rebellious and obstinate. But yet, her name doesn't dictate her future. What you say about yourself doesn't dictate your future. What I say about myself doesn't. It's what God says about us that is true, right? And so when, when God says something about you and about me, we need to believe it or we need to not believe it. There's no middle ground. 
You either believe what God says or you don't. Let God be true and every man a liar. And so Mary has the choice here. She can go by her name. She can be rebellious and say, this doesn't make sense to my head. I don't understand what you mean. Um, and, and Or she could say, okay, I believe it. And after the angel gives her this promise, right, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This, this child of yours will actually be the, the Lord, right? The, the, the most, the mightiest one. She says in verse 34, with her mind, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. See, it doesn't make sense. Often when God gives us a promise, in fact, when God gave the Israelites a promise in the Old Testament or anyone a promise, any promise in the Bible often doesn't make sense. So Jesus gave a promise to his disciples. He said, who the son sets free shall be free indeed shall be free indeed and we can choose to believe that promise or not we can live our lives that reflecting that promise or not and and, and her mind gets in the way because sometimes our mind gets in the way with that promise of jesus and we don't feel free we don't feel free but we're not led by feel things we're led by faith she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he goes on to say, even her relative Elizabeth is now in a sixth month. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. I think... Uh, James' version of the Bible says, for God can do anything. For there is nothing that God cannot do. It's, um, it's, a, it's an interesting phrase there, actually, in the original Greek language, which can't translate very well in English. And it means, basically, uh, for nothing. So the word nothing is actually two words. And um, it's, it's basically two words, meaning... Uh, not word, not rhema. So there's this rhema word of God and there's the logos word of God. And there's the ruah in the Old Testament, the breath, the spirit of God. The rhema word of God is a, a freshly spoken word of God to an individual. So, for example, the angel Gabriel, the angel Gabriel sent to Nazareth, to deliver a spoken word of God to a person. Not using scripture from the Old Testament, not using scripture from the Jewish, not using scripture at all from the past, speaking straight from the throne room of God, throne room of heaven, from God to an individual. So this rima that the angel speaks, this, this word, this promise that the angel speaks to Mary, all right, says that if um, not, no word of God is impossible, no spoken word of God is impossible. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it, right? And so Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me 
as you have said or according to your word. I see this beautiful picture that Mary Mary is such a, a leader in, um, I don't know if she realises it or if you realise it, but you know this is not just the birth of Jesus being foretold. This is actually, we can learn from this, I think, the way that God works in our own lives. Because when the, the angel says to her, you will conceive, what that means is there's an inside job going on. She'll conceive. There's no man coming upon her. There's the Holy Spirit. It's an inside job in Mary's body that nobody sees. But then eventually she develops, the baby develops inside, and then everyone else sees. I see that as, as, as a person puts their trust in Jesus. You see, ultimately, we're all meant to be presence carriers. We're all meant to be presence carriers. We're all meant to represent Jesus in our community, in our street, to represent him. You know, so like when people see you living, they see the, the impact or the difference that Jesus has made on your life. And so Mary, as she's believed this promise of God, as the angel has said, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. As she believed that promise, everything about her physically began to develop to prove that she believed that promise. And I see our lives, not that, you know, none of us are pregnant right now, but in in a sense we are. We're pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is an inside job to start with, but he wants out. He wants out. He wants to bless others through us. He wants to live through us. He wants to reveal himself through us. Not only does he want to develop us from the inside out, but he wants to develop us from the inside out so that other people can see him. Love one another as I have loved you, says Jesus. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. It's an inside job first, but then there's a developing and an expressing of that so that everyone else can see. And God chooses the nobody from nowhere. 1 Corinthians 1 says, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And so God chooses men and nobody from nowhere to reveal his strength. Paul goes on in Corinthians, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. 
But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Mary could have said to, well, she did. She said to the angel, um, how can this be? I'm still a virgin. Legitimate question. But the angel told her again, this is what's going to happen. For, no, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary's response was, I believe it. It doesn't make sense, but I believe it. I'll trust you at your word, Lord, and I'll believe it. And I'll be a carrier of your presence. And that's all I'll be. And so she gave birth to Jesus. And she nurtured him. And she cared for him. And she released him to do what he needed to do in the world. We... On this day of Pentecost, as we celebrate in the Christian calendar, the, the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem, God impregnating believers with his presence. And that's what he continues to do. And that's the most important thing that he can do. And he chooses the lowly things of this world. So I want to encourage you this morning that uh, Mary is a great leader in showing us what it means to be a Christian, showing us what it means to carry Christ and to trust God at his every word. You know, she would have faced all kinds of backlash and criticism from people around her, yet she still just believed. She said, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The angel left her because he knew that she cared more about what God said than what anyone else said about her, including herself. All right, so I encourage you this morning, trust God's promise for you. Don't listen to the voices, just listen to his. He said, my sheep will know my voice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Mary, and we thank you, Lord, that out of your great wisdom that surpasses, it's not even comparison to the wisdom of us, out of your great wisdom, you chose her as the one, as the incubator, the one, the one, the person, the individual to carry your presence into this world. And we thank you, Lord, for the example we see in her, that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And as uh, it's an inside job, Lord, we invite you to develop us from the inside out, change us from the inside out, change our hearts, change our attitudes, have your way. And may your word be the chief driving force of our decisions and our, and, and our beliefs. Lord, help us to listen to your voice and help us to trust you at every word. Amen. Amen.